Welcome to Finding Your Voice After 40, a weekly podcast that includes interviews with multicultural women and men over the age of 40 who have gone from ordinary to extraordinary living. I am your host, Kenya McGuire-Johnson, and as an artist, educator, and certified health, wellness, and mindset coach, my goal is to share incredible interviews and stories of people you may know or you may not know who are reclaiming and renewing their lives. Whether you're over 40 or not quite there yet, each week you will be inspired to thrive and not simply survive. Remember, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. To learn more about our amazing self-care and wellness holistic services, head on over to www.findingyourvoiceafter40.com or to get bonus episodes, head over to our Patreon and become a subscriber at patreon.com slash findingyourvoice. And welcome back to Finding Your Voice After 40. This is Kenya. And this is episode 48 in our R&R Summer Series, Getting Clear and Letting Go After 40. So as you know, if you've been tuning in each week for the summer, we are doing a Rewind and Reset series where we're counting down our top 10 most listened episodes. And it's funny, people are re-listening to episodes or you know, and the numbers keep shifting, but this was, these were the top 10 at the time that the season closed at the end of June, July, we've been getting a lot of listening of previous episodes that were not necessarily a part of the top 10, but are now climbing, you know, as most listened, but these were the top 10 we had already scheduled and decided and so forth, because at the close of, um, new interviews, uh, these were the top 10. So this week, we're presenting our fifth most listened to interview. So we're getting close to the number one most listened to. Um, but our fifth most listened uh, was episode number 37 originally, titled Getting Clear and Letting Go After 40. And this was an interview with Gail Cruz Roberson. And Gail is the co-director of the National SEED Project. And SEED stands for Seeking Educational Equity and Diversity, which um, I'm a national leader also for that uh, organization. And it's SEED that connected Gail and I. And I totally understand why this was fifth most listened. It's interesting because this episode has actually even risen way higher. <laughs> People are still really listening to this episode. And um, this was one of our later interviews in the season, in season one. Um, but you know, Gail did such a beautiful job and the seed community really tapped in and listened and shared and all the things. So make sure you know, re-listen to this if you're like, which one was this? Um, if you've never heard it, you're new to the podcast, you're in for a really, really wonderful treat. Um, in this interview, Gail discusses her personal journey, her, her journey with self-awareness, as well as self-care, all while navigating marriage, parenting, and being an educator. And she also shares, you know, some more gems to really consider. And, and Gail's really transparent in this interview and shares that she's 68. And so hearing her vibrance, and I think, you know, again, we have to always reframe age. This is the whole point of why I'm even doing this, this podcast is to get us to 
better understand how as we age, this is actually probably our biggest opportunity for growth, for abundance, for joy, and for really making room to find who we are and find our voice. And so I loved this interview. I love all the interviews, um, <laughs> but I will say this one was a really special one. So I'm excited for you guys to dig in. Before we get into uh, this interview this week, um, just some reminders. Again, we do have a membership community, um, Finding Your Voice membership. And as it stands right now, we have um, two active tiers, but we're about to implement potentially two more beginning the fall. So the current two tiers that we have available are um, we have our general supporter of the podcast and supporter of our organization. That's just five bucks a month. And that's what I encourage you as listeners, the general public, if you're wanting to support the podcast and the production, obviously producing all of these episodes um, is time, effort, money, all the good things. Uh, we have a podcast assistant that helps with things. So um, if you are enjoying this and you want to support the podcast and support us on our mission to spread the word about finding your voice and self-care and this life after 40, we would love for you to um, join and just pay $5 a month. Your money goes a really, really long way. Um, as a gift to you for that, we do have bonus content for those subscribers that include, you get to watch the actual videos. Although the videos in this series, we did a special this summer where we have released, each week we are releasing whatever episode is um, being spotlighted, um, we are including and making their videos visible on YouTube. So you want to make sure you either check the show notes and click where it says watch the video, or you can just go straight over to YouTube and go to my channel, youtube.com slash Kenya MJ music. Um, and you can become a subscriber and you can watch um, the videos this summer. But for Patreon, we still have a bunch of videos of all the other wonderful guests that we have that will not go public um, and that are housed in our Patreon uh, profile, our Patreon group. So if you want to watch the videos, get in, and then those videos um, at the end, we always do bonus. So you'll be able to not only see our guests, but you'll also get the bonus content that was shared. So we invite you to join. We're also going to begin um, in season two or later this fall. Um, where each month anybody who's at the $5 will get um, $5 tier will get um, a, just a quick self-care guide each month uh, for the month. So there's a variety of things that may be in that guide. We just really will highlight one thing that we want you to really focus on for the month um, for you. So you will get that as well. And then, you know, we occasionally open up discounts and all the things for the $5 level. We also then have our main subscription, um, which now we just have the She Collective. Um, we did have a VIP Thrive Tribe, but we now we have decided to just, um, and we're reorganizing even more, but we decided that we would just focus on the She Collective. And so if you are a woman, uh, multicultural, diverse woman over the, and you can be any age, you don't have to be over 40, but um, if you identify as a woman of color or just from a multi, uh, a cultural, multicultural background, um, we invite you to come into this space where we, you get additional self-care 
support and resources and workshops and seminars and all kinds of things. We also have astrology as a part of that. So if you know you're someone who's interested in astrology, you definitely would love this community because we do monthly workshops on that. Um, but in addition, we also do meetups and you definitely get access to anything that I do um, virtually, any kind of workshop, any kind of webinar that's completely free. Um, you know, in addition to those, this weekly resources that we give, a weekly WUSA we give, as well as that monthly meetup and astrology context, all the things. So lots of really wonderful things to be a member. So go over to uh, patreon.com slash finding your voice um, and you can sign up. And we are adding, we're probably going to add, I believe we're going to add um, potentially two more tiers. We are currently serving our astrology community, all those people who have had astrology readings and those people who um, have uh, attended either one of our astrology workshops and just surveying that community to see if they want just a little bit more on a regular basis. Um, and so far it's looking like, yup, they do. So we may be adding a new tier that's just for those who are seeking personal development and guidance um, with more astrology resources. So we'll let you know if that happens. Um, and then I'm also considering doing, um, those of you who are wanting coaching, but maybe financially it's easier for you to be able to do it on a monthly basis in terms of your payment, but still want a little bit more. Um, we're looking into creating a monthly um, coaching uh, subscription. So where you would you would basically pay monthly for your, your um, getting your coaching services. So that's to come, but right now, she Collective, and then General Finding Your Voice podcast supporter. So, all righty, we're going to go on to our self-care call to action. This week, we're focusing on confidence and self-esteem. I love who I am and especially who I am becoming. One, tell yourself every morning that you love yourself no matter what. Two, think of some things you need to let go of to start loving yourself more. And three, see yourself easily letting these things go and stepping into a new you. So again, this is a really good season to really be loving up on yourself. I know astrologically it is. Um, we're in a Venus retrograde. If you're curious to know, what does that mean? Come on over to TikTok. <laughs> I now have uh, TikTok. Yes, Lord. I haven't even talked about that yet. I will be talking more about that in season two. But I do have a TikTok page. Um, and my name is not, it's not Kenya. You're not going to find me that way. Um, it is Astro Thrive Guide. And I do videos, uh, maybe once or twice a week, I do videos um, just talking about what's happening in these astrological streets and how to use it for your self-care and for your guidance. And just remember, I'm always using, I, I do what's called natal astrology, where I look, I'm focused more so on your birth chart and how you're wired. And I always use it to guide you with your self-care and transformation and personal development. So that's that. All right, we're going to get ready to get in this episode. Before we get in this episode, you're going to hear a little bit more about our upcoming retreat where we're still accepting registrants. Um, and I did want to just uh, tout out a couple of um, testimonials from previous retreats, um, just so you get an idea of what the women have experienced. So um, I made these testimonials anonymous just to uh, save the uh, confidentiality of those who um, attend. But um, three different comments, three real quick 
just comments. One was, it was a pleasure to be a part of this retreat. I have begun making changes already. Another, I look forward to staying connected to the other participants. And lastly, it was amazing and I got so much richness from the experience. I definitely see these this retreat as a much needed resource for women of color. And so again, I've done these retreats. I've done both virtual as well as in person. Um, we'll be doing even more, more day retreats will be announced um, in, the, in the near future. But for now, we do still have our Mexico retreat. So we're going to tap in, have you listen to a little bit more about what that retreat is about and where you can go in order to get more information. And then uh, we'll dig into this week's R&R episode. All right. Enjoy. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable cultural adventure? Imagine immersing yourself in the colorful traditions, rich history, and vibrant spirit of Mexico. Introducing our Finding Your Voice 2024 Mexico VIP Cultural Immersion Retreat in Ajijic, Mexico. Join us for a once in a lifetime experience in the enchanting town of Ajijic in the state of Jalisco, Mexico. Nestled on the shores of Lake Chapala, this hidden gem is known for its warm hospitality and a community bursting with cultural treasures. Expand your cultural horizons through hands-on activities like creating art, experiencing Mexican wine vineyards, discovering the secrets of authentic Mexican cuisine, exploring the cultural monuments, and interacting with nature, all while connecting with self and a community of other women. And when it's time to relax, indulge in the beauty of Ajijic's serene landscapes, enjoy stunning views of the lake, and rejuvenate your mind and body with relaxing spa treatments, soothing yoga sessions, and hot spring pools overlooking the breathtaking Mexican scenery. Specifically curated for African-American and African descent women over 35, the VIP Cultural Immersion Retreat is the perfect blend of education, adventure, and relaxation. Leave with lifelong memories, new friendships, a deep appreciation for the Mexican culture, and a deeper understanding of self. Visit findingyourvoiceafter40.com slash retreats to review the daily itinerary and submit your interest form in order to receive more details regarding costs, accommodations, and amenities. Again, visit findingyourvoiceafter40.com slash retreats. Your current retreat and curated experience is waiting for you. And we are back and I am so excited about this interview. I am really excited about this interview. This, this amazing woman who I don't even know. I think you know how much I think you're so amazing, Gail. Oh. <laughs> I can Seriously. feel it. <laughs> Seriously. I think in my, you know, in my closet, you're like my godmother. Like, you know, she's like, she's like my god queen. It's not even mother's like god queen, you know. I love it. <laughs> Ah, so those of you who are listening uh, this week, we have Gail Cruz Roverson with us, and she is a dear friend of mine um, and mentor, and like I said, God queen. 
Um, so how are you? How are you doing? I am good. I am home. I am in reasonably warm weather. And so spring is coming, for which I'm grateful. So I'm good. See, we got teased in Chicago. At the time of us pre-recording this, Chicago was like glorious last week. And then it snowed. Was it yesterday or day before? Uh, yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days and I don't miss them. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just like, I can get out of here. But anyway, we can go on and on about weather. Today, in this in this next 30, 40 minutes, um, we're going to explore a lot of, well, I hope a lot of your golden nuggets um, of just how you're treating life after 40. Um, I am certain it will be inspirational to others. But before I kind of dig into that, I want to read something to you. So you can just sit back and relax. Okay. And it's very short, but I want to read this to you. Gail Cruz Roberson is the co-director of the SEED Project, which stands for Seeking Educational Equity and Diversity, and is a social justice organization that has been in existence for 37 years. Gail grew up in Jamaica, New York, in a four-generation extended family, has been partnered for 38 years, and is the mother of three daughters. She has spent her work life as an adult educator, working with parents and community members in support of improved educational outcomes for learners of all ages. To know Gail is to know her calm demeanor, inspirational energy, and empathetic nature who continuously spreads wisdom, love, and light to others. So Gail, how did that feel hearing that? Right back to you. It was a warm hug. It was really, uh, really um, it's like, who is that person? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. You I, and, you know, it's funny. I ask our guests to send us their bios and the majority of that was what, you know, I, I may rearrange things, but I was like, I got to talk about how warm she is. And she's not going to say that in her bio. I'm a warm, calm, you know, empathetic person. I know you're not going to say that. But I want to hear from you, um, the Gail that you know today, has mm -hmm. this always been the Gail that, or, or did something really shift that kind of brings you to who you are right now? I think that um, I very much am a product of the women who raised me, my grandmother and my mother. Um, both of them were pretty grounded women, um, you know, practical, clear-eyed. Um, my grandmother was really the one who stayed home and raised me while my mother worked. Mm. And I think that um, she was probably more blunt than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, between her honesty and my mother's, um, my mother was a social worker, so she was much more of a listener, much mm. more of person. So when I would get on my soapbox, she would ask a few key questions like, you know, have you thought of the other person's point of view? Mm. And now that they're not physically present with me, I feel like I'm, I carry their energy inside of me. And I think that's what is experienced by people. Yeah. So, I, I was know, just about to say, I was just about to say, you just described yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There are women sitting on my shoulders who who formed me. Mm, I love that. And 
Really seriously, I think this is why I do connect and I think why people connect with you. Um, because listen, I, you know, the seed organization, I am a leader, also a trained leader, a part of seed. So I'm a part of seed. That's how we met yep. was through uh, seed years and years. Oh my God. So my son is almost 17. So I always add it up from there because I had just had him. <laughs> Yeah, 2004. So next year will be 20 years. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yes. So we, so, and the thing that I think others, when I, when I talk to others who know you, cause we have a lot of interesting kind of three degrees of connection. I'll meet people yes. and realize like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. but the common, common, I guess, thought and words that are always shared. Oh, Gail, like she's so warm, but so honest and direct. So, you know, it's not like this. Sometimes you can get that warmth, but it can be a little, you know, okay, we're just kind of saying, but I, I think that's, <laughs> you know, there's always, you're really direct on that. So, so I want to rewind a little bit. And if you don't, you just had a birthday. Are you one that does not share your age? Cause we always let people no, I am not that one. My grandmother was my biggest, I'm telling you, she was a huge role model and she never tired of telling people exactly how, she, how old she was. I'm 68 years old and I earned every year of it. Okay? Oh my gosh, you are. That means you're inching. Okay, so we're really, we're going to get I'm down really the line. <laughs> no, but you're you're approaching 70 and I I, I think... It's so rare, I know, in my life that I get to talk to other Black women who are approaching 70 and hear from them. Mm -hmm. And that's not my grandmother or my aunt or my mom or, you know, that just, right. you know, women who are living in this world. And so I'm, I'm really happy you disclosed that because I know that our listening audience ranges literally from 17 all the way up, honestly, mm -hmm. when I'm looking at the analytics. So I think it's 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 rare we get to hear from Black women um, who are approaching their 70s and, and who are living these inspiring lives. But if you had to rewind, okay, so let's let's rewind. Let's think of, of, of I don't want to say little Gail, but let's say Gail who may be in her 20s. 30s. Who was that woman then? Who was that woman in her 20s <laughs> and 30s? Yeah. Well, the, the 20s were definitely a time of uh, exploration socially. Mm. So I was I was having a great time. I lived at home and had my own space in the house and was partying every weekend as much as possible. <laughs> um, you know, my first serious job I had when I was about 18, I started college and that job for me was really pivotal because it wasn't a, it wasn't a really serious job, but it was a job where I was surrounded by gay men. I was working in the village, mm. village. Mm -hmm. and uh, I had an opportunity to rearrange my homophobia, shall we say? <laughs> uh, I love the way you said that rearrange. Let's rearrange <laughs> that. Okay. <laughs> Get rid of some, you know, biases that I didn't really know I had until mm. I was in a space that was not familiar to me. And they taught me so much about joy, mm. uh, about alternative ways of being male, which mm. gave me an opportunity to be calm and comfortable in my space. They were the first men that I had ever met who enjoyed being with me, but not in, ex in a transactional yeah. arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 18 year old experience has stayed with me ever since. Mm. 
So in my 20s, you know, I was hanging out with friends as much as possible. We danced every week, you know, midweek, weekend. <laughs> right. I was not thinking about nesting or settling down. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably how I ended up nesting and settling down. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't on my radar. Uh, and, uh, so I, uh, my partner made a compelling mm. presentation and that ended up. <laughs> I was going to say, so I mentioned in the intro that, you know, you've been partnered. I want to say, was, did I say 38 years? Is that what? Okay. So you have been, you have been in a partnership, you know, obviously this is a committed long-term partnership and I don't, I haven't been able to tap heavily into this with guests that we've had so far um, in how you still maintain you when you're in these partnered spaces and, you know, obviously, you know, if you're saying 68, we do the math, you know, you're around 30, you know, probably when you, you know, began this, what have you had to do? Cause yeah, I haven't been able to ask anybody this. What have you had to do to remain you mm -hmm. while still in this partnership? Because this is a part of that finding your voice, knowing who you are, you know, right. partnering can cause a lot of things. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, I, I just remember when I was um, witnessing friends of mine who got into committed relationships, they dropped their women friends with a quickness that was painful. Mm. I vowed never to do that. Mm. Uh, you know, I have a good friend and she's, I have to keep remembering you're married. You don't act like a and I, I take that as a compliment. I'm sad that it is not more frequently um, manifested. But I, I think mm. one of the things that I learned fairly early on, probably from a book, was mm. two things. One, you know, you should not, despite all the fairy tales we were all exposed to, don't expect your partner to satisfy your every need for companionship, intimacy, um, shared experiences and interests, all of that. Once you get away from that, then you begin to be able to make uh, relationships with other people, you know, mm -hmm. men and women, depending upon your, your network. Mm -hmm. You can have experiences with that don't threaten your primary relationship, but don't pressure your primary relationship into doing things they don't want to do. <laughs> right. I'm not interested in sports, but, you know, that's his thing. Yeah. He's not in the theater, so I don't drag him unless it's something really compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's I mean, it's such a mature way to look at relationships, and I, I think unfortunately, society, like you said, I mean, we don't really get to witness in mainstream spaces mature relationships that show you know that show that. And I know for me, had I had I witnessed that more you know, and understood that more. Yeah. I probably would have made a lot of different decisions and it, it's taken me to being now 50 <laughs> to now design a relationship that is one of that maturity and that recognizes, you know, we don't have to, you know, we're singular people who are coming together, you know, in a partnership. Um, and now you talked about being raised with mostly women. Um, was, did you, did you know, did you see that modeled where that, I don't know if it's with father or with uncles or how did you even know kind of to, to, to do that um, or, or have that inside of you or was that modeled for you? Anywhere? In hindsight, I would say it was modeled for me. My father and mother stayed together until I must have been in my mid twenties. 
And my father, both of them are first gen Americans. Both of them were, were born in Harlem Hospital. Oh, you know, wow. Just, but my father was taken back to Jamaica, which is where a lot of the family is from and was raised there. Mm. Um, and he was extremely gregarious. Mm. So he spent, you know, as much time with his friends as humanly possible. Uh. My mother was much more introverted and she was a bridge player. So she was, she had her, her, her crew. Yeah. But very different in terms of their interests. And so in hindsight, I would say that's probably where I observed it first mm. that you, know, you can coexist without, um, you know, being chained at the wrist. <laughs> Notice how you said chained. I mean, you know, it's funny. I sit now, you know, and I, I have so many questions about marriage, not so much relationship and partnership, but, you know, getting out of a long-term marriage really, you know, the, the PTSD. I, I mean, and I don't mean to say that like that, but for me, because it wasn't a situation that felt very healthy for me, um, it really does leave me a lot of questions. So it's, it's inspiring to meet other Black women who have been partnered for long term mm -hmm. and who are comfortable in that space. And, you know, are, you know, obviously relationships have all kinds of layers and ups, downs and things. But, you know, the whole time I've known you, you know, it, it appears, yes, you are very, I can see why your friend said that. Because, <laughs> but I don't, but I guess because I knew you as a married woman. So I didn't, you know, and I've met, I've had an opportunity to meet your husband. So it, it, it didn't, but I, I could see that just a lot of independence. So, you know, there's one other thing that I think really made sense to me after a couple of years. There's a saying, and I don't know if I'll get it right, but this it's it's sort of along the lines of in your marriage, you will marry different people. <laughs> but the you know, the, the two individual bodies are the same, but they people change. Yes. And one yes. of the books that I read early on was um Gail Sheehy's Passages. Mm, and she mm -hmm. talked about a lot of relationships get, hit the rocks after maybe 20, 30 years when the when the woman has spent her time nurturing family while the husband is off doing his professional thing. Mm -hmm. And then he becomes one who wants to, you know, spend time being a nurturer. And the woman is like, you know what? I just want to <laughs> I'm out. Right. And there's a big break right in there. Yes. Right? Yes. If it's not something that you understood was going to happen and have plans to figure out how to negotiate, that's where mm. a lot of relationships go south. Absolutely. Urgent. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm in that, <laughs> I'm at that 50 and I think a lot of my peers and, you know, people my age are at that, that 20 year, 25, 30 year mm -hmm. part of marriage. And yes, you're, I, you see a higher level of divorce rate, I think because of everything you just said, I mean, there can be a lot of other factors, but I see women just hitting this age, you know, after 40, 50, somewhere in there of realizing, wait a minute, who am I again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I need to go and find her, you know, where I think a lot of the men that I know are being kind of standing there, like say, wait, what, what? Like, you know, I've worked this harder per se. We're finally financially in a more stable space. We finally don't have our kids. Like, what do you mean now? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you have to recommit somehow. Exactly. 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 So speaking of kids, you have three daughters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I gave birth to two. Uh -huh. 
the oldest one is Stefan's um, child from another relationship. And she gotcha. was raised by her mother in the Netherlands. But, you know, gotcha. I, as I mentioned, I lived in a four generation household. My father had a wife prior to my mother's um, mm. relationship. So I had sisters that I never considered half sisters. I always treated them as full sisters and I made sure to do that with mine. So that's yeah. why I claim three, although I gave birth to two. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Cause I, when, when I read that, I was like, I think I said, well, I no. And I kind of thought, I'm like, no, no, I think maybe, you know, her husband has a, um, mm -hmm. a child from a previous relationship. So this whole child raising and still keeping Gail. So there was one thing of doing that, which you kind of explained in terms of partnering and, and keeping. Mm -hmm. Has it, how, how have you been able to continue to nurture and maintain Gail while raising children? Cause I, this is, this is, this is a hard one. This is, mm -hmm. this is a really hard one, but your thoughts. Well, I think that I had help initially. Um, my mother was around, she didn't, she wasn't a child person per se. My mother and mother-in-law, mother and in law was absolutely a child person. Mm. But I had a lot of support when they were young, not necessarily hands-on, but just people I could talk to, mm. um, you know, and, and to be able to uh, make sense of things. Um, I think mm. one of the challenging things was um, when they were young, well, when we first got married, we lived in Brooklyn. We lived in Fort Greene mm. and Clinton Hill, which, you know, I, that <laughs> my heart is still there, but we moved yeah. to the New Jersey suburbs. And Living in the suburbs was harder for me than raising children. <laughs> and, uh, I am not a suburban person. And so, uh, you know, I, think I had this fantasy that people were friendly in the suburbs and neighborly. And yeah. what I discovered was that's not applied across the board. No, it is not. not and actually, all. Brooklyn was more friendly than the suburb that we moved to. The day we moved in, my next door neighbor knocked on the door, not to welcome us, but he thought we were robbing the house. This is day oh, one. Wow. Day one. Wow. So, wow. I mean, we ended up making friends with some other neighbors who, you know, were very warm and, and you know, really part of our family. But that initial one was like, Are we shouldn't <laughs> go live here. Maybe we need to move. We only been here a day. Let's. Wow. So that had a lot, you know, I, you know, it's like, okay, we're living here for the children. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> but then I, um, I met, a, 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 I made a friend who worked in Newark. So you know, our, our suburb was a, an, um, an inner ring suburb of Newark. Okay. And so I was able to find myself as a, a working woman as a result of starting to work in Newark. And having the kids as they got older, you know, they were in school, they were in aftercare. And so there was a, a rhythm. Yeah. I think probably the teenage years were the, were the most challenging, I think, for me. And it wasn't because they were, you know, like classic teenagers, yeah. but they were finding their own personalities enough that I had to do more negotiating, you know, yeah. and I've read a ton of books. What you see behind me is, is <laughs> one tenth of the books that I read to figure out how to make some of the, you know, it's like a, 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 a an owner's manual. How, how do I yeah. raise this? You don't respond the way I responded when my grandmother and mother said, this is what we're doing. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. No, I, parenting. I, I mean, for me, parenting is so fun. You said, I also, you know, live, I currently live in the suburbs and I've, it had to really grow on me big, big, big time. Cause I was the same way. I, I, the, the difference was I moved to a predominantly black suburb. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that just, that was just a, it's a very different temperature. I don't think that that equals perfection or it was just great because I'm black, but it was a different temperature. And I, you know, at least it was of a, of a space where there was some familiarity with that. And many of us were living in the burbs for the first time. And many hmm. of us were trying to kind of have these small kids and all the things like it was, it, so there was community within that, but still having that distance from, you know, the city, uh -huh. um, which, you know, in terms of access and activity and just energy. Yeah. That was really challenging for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, ch but honestly, for me, raising children by far has been my hardest, you know, has been my hardest job by, by far. But what's really interesting, and you can tell me if this was your experience or not, but for me, raising my, my children is what was probably one of the most pivotal parts of me finding my voice. Mm -hmm. Um, because- <laughs> And my my kids, my oldest, it is funny. I was just listening to um I I mentored, I think I you've probably seen now if we haven't talked. I, I'm doing a lot of astrology now. I've always been a student of astrology. That's always been a really big passion of mine, but I'm just now really digging and becoming more public about it. But one of my mentors, I was listening to him and he was describing um, one of the placements that my oldest son has, which is going to sound really abstract. But anyway, his moon is in Scorpio and that means a lot. OK, and, and, and in the world of astrology, that means a whole lot. And I know I knew from my soul when that baby came out. I'm like, nah, 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 this baby has another <laughs> this baby got another energy. I never had a baby before, but I've seen babies. <laughs> And this baby is a warrior. Like he is coming <laughs> here to like do something different. And and how challenging that is raising because not because something is wrong with him, but because of energetically. So it just required me to check myself absolutely way more. To so I don't know. Did your children help give you voice to claim yourself more? Or I think yes, they. Their challenges to my way of thinking forced me to get clear about what I valued and what I was willing to let go, you know, in order to preserve relationship and in order to, you know, not become irrational. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I think I had to do a lot of unpacking of messages that I got, mm. gender messages, because I had all girls, you have boys. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's even more that they're watching you and critiquing, you know, they're mm -hmm. not buying it necessarily. They're critiquing. Yeah. Um, but they are much more fearless than I was. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I look at them and I wonder, well, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> I'm right. Not <laughs> well, and I, yeah, I mean, I think that's what our kids come here to do to teach us about ourselves. And yeah, my please, by far, psh, 
my oldest, I mean, he's only 20 right now, but the things he's currently, I'm just like, okay, Jesus, take the wheel, <laughs> take the wheel, because, because, <laughs> and he knows that I feel like that. He knows that he, you know, that he is, he's got a lot of destiny. So, okay. Well, you, I want to kind of pivot a little bit okay. into, we talked about 20s, 30s, having the children and so forth. Um, you mentioned being 68. What at this point of your life, like, is life what you kind of imagined it to be? Or what What about this part of life that you're like, whoa, or, or is there a that in this part of life? I think that having a work that I absolutely love and having adult children that don't require the financial investment that mm. they required earlier they're way more they're they're self-sufficient at this point yeah created a lot of space and time to think about the next chapter and so it, you know i'm at a point where if i decide i want to go see a play mm-hmm. today i go <laughs> right you know i don't have to say okay how much money do i have can i yeah um and you know and the other big thing is who can I invite to go with me? Because, you know, in my earlier days, I could, I wasn't comfortable just going out by myself. Mm. Most like people eating alone in restaurants. You have to right. learn to appreciate your own company. Yes. I'm there now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have friends who are like, why didn't you tell me you were going to go with you? You're like, you know what? Go watch it yourself. And then we can talk about it later. Because the aggravation <laughs> of coordinating schedules with yes. other Yes. Takes all the pleasure out of it. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. It's not that I don't love you, but there's just sometimes I just, you know, even just coordinate all that. I'm just going to go ahead and see it's nothing against you. Yeah. Yeah. I must say, I love seeing your group photos with all of your friends and I'm like, that must have taken some work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because my friends will tell me you're so good at trying and but I don't know. I mean, there's certain for me, I'm at a stage of life where I'm really um, craving a little more, you know, female bonding, unlike what you did <laughs> in your marriage where you made it a point. I, I think I was one of those chicks who left the friends on the side. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Fred. You know, um, so <laughs> that's think- I mean, that's the that's the you know, you talk about energe- energetic, magnetic energy. That's where most of us end up because that's what we've seen. Yeah. And actually, sometimes people get punished for, for, you know, trying to maintain both, particularly if the partner is feeling neglected. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. No. And I, you know, as I'm building new relationship and partnering with someone new right now, you know, I, I have been very deliberate in, you know, let me reach out to this girlfriend, too. Let me reach out to, you know, if I'm going to be in this area and I have time, because a lot of, sometimes I don't let me, you know, let me make a point of, of doing this because I, I don't know how intentional at all I was. I mean, you know, I still hung out with girlfriends when I was married, but this is a different season. So, so yeah, you mentioned, I have a couple more questions and I see my clock winding down. I actually have way more questions. But I want to talk about SEED for a moment, um, which is the organization that you co-direct. And this is how we met. And it's been such a special, you know, 
really, you know, Seed was special when I did it with you as a leader and I was a participant. Um, now that I've become a leader, it has become such a special part of my career and such a special part of my role at the university, you know, that I work at. And, you know, if you really watch my career or really watch me, you'll, I'll occasionally mention that I work at a university. It's not something that I put on full blast um, mm -hmm. on social media, but it has really, honestly, Seed has been the nugget to really lock me in with the university and not because not, it's not a golden handcuff. It's a, it's a, you know, it's unique, it's different. And I'm bringing something to um, a very traditional space in a safe way. So I'm going to let you kind of describe what SEED is, what the organization is about and what drew, we'd, I'd love to know more about what drew you into it. Sure. Well, I'll start with that because it was really to preserve my sanity as a suburban mom mm. who I had, you know, joined a group of parents who were doing um, conflict resolution, resolving conflict creatively, because mm -hmm. the school was teaching kids, you know, when you have a conflict, you do not beat the crap out of the child. <laughs> and parents were saying, oh, no, when when somebody messes with you, you jack them up. You so go beat them. <laughs> get them in agreement. But one of the other moms in there was Emily Style, who was one of the founders of Seed. And she said, you know, I think you would be a good facilitator. So I'm having this training and I would love you to join. I had no idea what Seed was because I'd never been in a group. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was life changing because, you know, to have the opportunity to be in a retreat for seven days, we, we I think it was seven or eight mm -hmm. days we had mm -hmm. and to look at ourselves through the lens of race, gender, sexual identity, class, ability, religion, country of origin, all of those things. Nobody ever asked those kinds of questions, much yeah. less put them in the context of how systems that operate around us are either giving us benefits or oppressing us, depending upon mm. that, that intersectionality of identity. Right. And so that was 1994. Mm. And that really has helped me to navigate everything that I've done since then. So, you know, life in this suburb was more bearable because I was doing work that put me in contact with other people who wanted to talk about serious stuff. Because yeah. I had experienced a lot of people who were, for lack of a better word, socially vacant. <laughs> yeah. You know, didn't want to talk about much of anything. And then <laughs> when we moved, we moved from New Jersey to Illinois. Mm. And ended up living in Oak Park, Illinois for several years. And um, I was able to introduce it to the school district there, which gave me a way other than standing on the uh, schoolyard, trying to connect with other moms, which I tried that. <laughs> this was a way to actually have, um, you know, my values and my, my desires for not just my children, but other people's children to, you know, take root in a way that they hadn't experienced because of course they pride themselves on being very uh, mm. diverse and you know very yeah. fair and they have done some things but um this was an opportunity to actually have teachers think about you know how are they matching what they say they're doing with what's actually happening in classrooms Absolutely. of mixed students 
Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do, how we deliver that work is by having people go initially to be trained. Um, institutions send people. So we try not to encourage consultants to come and you know take the work and then go off and do it. So people come to be trained, they go through a process like the one that I've described, and the commitment that the the participants make is that for the next year at minimum, they will facilitate a peer group of their colleagues, Mm -hmm. taking them through the exercises that we share in training that have to do with who are you, how do you show up in the world, how in, in the case of teachers, what kinds of spaces are you creating and how do they convey power? Mm. Mm. You know, what, what it, is, is your philosophy consistent with your behavior? Yes. And if it isn't, how can we make them become um, aligned? Mm-hmm. It, it's communal. It, it builds community. So people have accountability partners. They're not just sent off to do this by themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that, the spaces that we're able to create are so different from what people are used to when they hear pr- the word professional development. They're like, they <laughs> ever asked me those questions before. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they stay now. Now that's not to say that it's for everybody because, you know, we're in a climate right now. I don't have to tell you where people are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to do work that has to do with creating equitable spaces, which, I don't know of anything that's more 1984 than that. It's I know it is. It, it really, really is. And and thank you for sharing what the organization, how the organization goes about this, because I think that's what's so unique. And when I attempt, it's, you know, to tell people about seed, you know, I'm like, it's in the how though, guys, it's in the how. And I, I know I'm giving you this long kind of title of what it is, but what's so unique about it is how we're, delivering this information and, and allowing people to reflect on their own lives and their own. Yeah. There are no spaces where we're asked all of these identity questions, you know, wrapped in with, with our peers. So it's a, it's a really special place. So thank you for, you know, I, I, I had no, no, like it, it really kind of blindsided me becoming a leader. George Floyd happened and I saw my students going like just, it was just really challenging. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm using my counseling, you know, skills, but I knew this was an identity situation. Like we got to start talking about more about identities and the intersections of them. And so I ran to Gail and <laughs> said, Gail, I need a consultant in Chicago to go talk to my students. And, you know, we kind of coordinated. I think you and Patricia Savage Williams, they well, both of you were like, or Williams, is it Patricia Williams Savage or Savage Patricia Williams? Savage Williams. Yeah, Patricia. Savage Williams. Both of you kind of like hinted, well, you know, you could become a trainer <laughs> where you can handle, you know, these issues going on in your institution. It's like, oh, I guess yeah. I could. Yeah, that's um, the thing that is, you know, challenging for people to understand. We're not in the business of going out and making presentations. We're in the business of giving people the tools to do it themselves with their colleagues. Yes. Because who better to name what it is that the issues are at an institution than the people who are there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's been, it's been a really beautiful experience and I've been able to do it with, 
not just our faculty, but because I'm at a university also with our students. And it's been a really special, really special for the students too, because they're getting to know their classmates in ways that they otherwise never would have, <laughs> especially in science, in health science. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to contextualize it, we're talking about Chicago, who where, you know, the space is a contested space for many people. I, you know, I had never understood it until I lived there, how much it means, you know, where are you from? Where do you live? And a whole profile is developed based on what you say. And, yeah. and you have the potential to be either buttonholed or you'd have to break out of it. And so for them to get this kind of an opportunity means that they're free. Yeah. 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 Ah, I love it. We could go on and on, but I'm looking at my clock. And so we are going to do a bonus, but before we do a bonus, I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, one is how, if someone is interested, if they work um, in an educational space and they're interested in learning more about seed, What's the best way to get information? Should they follow you? What's give all the goods of, of how they can get involved in that? We have a website. It's nationalseedproject.org. And it has a lot of information about how to apply, but it also has testimonies from people who have felt that it has been useful to them. Um, it's in the process of being reconstructed, but it's very accessible right now. And we have trainings coming up this summer in California in person, and then a virtual training that we're doing right now, and mm -hmm. then another virtual training in the fall. Um, so if somebody were interested in actually thinking about it for themselves, they're within the time frame to apply. Uh, April 30th is the deadline for applications for the summer, and for the fall, we'll extend the deadline. But um, you know, for people who have the opportunity to be in person, that is really the preferred way yeah. to do it. Yeah. 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 I, I did it again in the smack dab of the pandemic. So, <laughs> so I did it virtual. It is so funny because now my brain is so used to facilitating in a virtual way. I'm like, how would I do this in person? I don't know, you know, but um, I'm working on working on, you know, converting that to both, you know, in person and virtual. So awesome. And last Last question. I think it's my last question. No, I really want to ask you this other question. So I got two more questions and then that's it. And then we'll go to the bonus. All right. What are you most looking forward to at this point of your life? Well, in the immediate future, I'm looking forward to my daughter, my, the, my first daughter that I gave birth to getting married. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my girls, none of them have had any interest in, uh, marriage per se. Um, and, you know, I think that's a topic that we need to discuss <laughs> all on its own. And yeah. I, I certainly have not pressured them because it's a lot of work as we know. Yes. 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 But um, her decision to do that has, you know, been something that she's been thinking about for a good chunk of time. Mm. And, you know, each of them are fiercely independent. So I think that, um, you know, that, is not a yoke as much as uh, an opportunity to create a family. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice, very nice. So that's kind of exciting. And then I think for myself, probably by the end of this year, I will be moving from co-director to like a senior advisor for the organization because as we've seen with the government, <laughs> yeah. there comes a time when leaders need to step aside 
and mentor younger leaders before yeah. dementia kicks in. <laughs> Stop um, <it. laughs> You know, I was watching poor Diane Fine. Oh oh my gosh! These these Supreme Court judges who should probably step aside. Don't get me started. Just I, you know, I don't talk a lot. I I really don't see. I mean, I've called this honestly since I guess probably once Trump announced he was first running. So Mm -hmm. whatever year that was, I. 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I knew at that point, okay. So in fact, this system we have in place is not a system we're going to be able to keep. So I, I just feel like we're watching in live time. I don't know, just fall of a Western empire. (laughs) Yes. I really, yeah. I I hate to say it that dramatically, but I, Mm -hmm. I really kind of feel like that. And you know, I'm just trying to kind of understand, have a better understanding of the world. I know for me personally, this is why I have been traveling a lot more in a mm-hmm. variety of places inside and outside of the United States so that I can better understand just how I want to live and, and you know, culturate my family and whatever connections. Is this the, is this the space? Because, um, and it's like, no, I mean, I appreciate where I live as, you know, I'm actually very appreciative of, of living in you know, Chicago and, and all these places, but there is a, but, and, and, an and <laughs> so people are, moving. People are, yeah. are relocating, yeah. you know, to other places and settling in rather well, I must say. Yes. Yeah. Well, when you start going and, and I mean, economically it's almost a no brainer. And mm-hmm. then uh, when you begin to see how people, you know, their quality of life and in fact, the rhythm of life, the cadence of life, um, the culture of life in other places outside of the United States, it really, it for me, it's really impact. I it would be crazy of me not to consider <laughs> living, right. you know, in other places. Well, yeah. it's another one of those fairy tales where, you know, we've been led to believe that we have, we are, we are all knowing and mm-hmm. we have the best system in the world. So to discover that there are people living their lives happily without any concern about this country is, you know, not too many people realize that's happening because they never leave home. Exactly. Oh, Gail, that's a whole nother. Okay. So one, we just need to sit down and talk. (laughs) (laughs) But two, that's a whole nother episode, Lord. Yeah. All right. My last question, this is a fun one. And I did put it as a question. This is the, probably the only question that I did give you that I actually asked. But is <laughs> what, <laughs> what is a theme song? What's a song that you just love or that just motivates you? If you need to say more than one, you can. But what's a theme song? Well, um, it, that was a no-brainer because, you know, the pandemic is like the central theme of so many things. But, you know, during the pandemic, John Coltrane was on repeat. Mm. I would listen every day, every day. So, you know, Love Supreme is what I would call my theme song in terms of, um, you know, what do I never tire of hearing? Mm. I love and it. The sentiment is mm-hmm. also a really key part of it. And so you know, it, it behooves me to be reminded that love is the driving factor, despite all of the fear and ignorance that, you know, keeps seeping out of, you know, the zeitgeist. Yeah. Stay focused on love. And I don't mean the mushy kind. Yeah. 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 
I love you. So I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And we're going to continue to be in relationship. Right. That right. Right. I love it. Love Supreme. You never can go wrong with that song. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. More things need to be titled Love Supreme because that's such a <laughs> that's such an amazing title. But anyway, well, thank you so much. We're going to continue. Those of you, if I told y'all she was a light. I told you if you didn't feel the light, I don't know what's up with you. But anyway, we're going to continue in our bonus. Um, I'm going to ask her two more additional questions and pick her brain and try to offer some advice um, on some things. So those of you who are interested, make sure you hop over to patreon.com slash finding your voice and become a subscriber so you can check it out. Thank you so much though. I appreciate you for giving this to our public audience. This has been amazing. amazing. It was a joy to listen and to talk with you because uh, I, I don't see enough of you. I know. That's why I, talking to you now, I'm like, okay, I got to do a regular date. This is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. All right. Those who are listening, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast and share on social media using hashtag finding your voice after 40. To submit questions, email info at findingyourvoiceafter40.com.